1: hello everyone and welcome to another edition of texas ag today i'm your host carrie martin along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture
2: with dry conditions persisting in the panhandle area ranchers are advised to stay extra focused on herd management i'm james hunt and i'll have that story coming up on texas ag today
3: Cotton harvest continues to be on and off again here in Central Texas Blackland region. This is Dr. Shane McLellan, and I'll have more from Waco.
4: The benefits of windbreaks in rural and urban Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories,
1: plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete wrap-up of the markets, all coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Herd size has been a prime consideration for ranchers in the panhandle in recent months. James Hunt reports from Amarillo.
2: Back in late June and early July, the Panhandle was so deep in drought, there was real concern that ranchers might be forced into significant herd reduction. But Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says enough rain eventually came along. It appears major cutbacks only occurred in isolated cases.
5: It seems like that southwest quarter of the Panhandle has fared the worst in terms of rainfall throughout the season. And so that's where I expect where we have seen probably more culling than other parts of the Panhandle. But again, I think it's been enough late season rainfall in those other areas From a short-term standpoint, to allow for enough forage growth or regrowth to help prevent those producers from having to call herds.
2: Nevertheless, with what appears to be another long dry period settling in and tight times for the cattle economy, Dr. Smith says in the months ahead, area ranchers really need to be thinking about stocking rates and grazing management. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The cotton harvest is off and on again in central Texas, thanks to Mother Nature. Here's more from Shane McClellan in Waco.
3: After the recent rains, our cotton harvest was paused just long enough for fields to dry up. Surprisingly to many, the cotton had little damage. It was stringing out some, and there were reports of some seed sprouts. But overall, after receiving 10 to 12 inches of rain to our cotton fields here in Central Texas, we're actually in much better shape than we thought. There will probably be a hickey on the quality grade of our cotton, but only time will tell on that. Cotton harvest did start back up last week and ran good. Uh, producers were having good days, and some long days, and then the weather was somewhat cool, damp, and the sky was overcast. It would have been much better if it was a hot, sunny day uh, just to make the cotton harvest go better. The latest disturbance in the Gulf has brought some moisture to our area again. Uh, six-tenths of rain that I was told this morning uh, is much better than the two to three inches that the weatherman was calling for. Cotton harvest will continue once we warm up and the soils dry out. Livestock producers that graze out livestock on small grains have been planting oats and wheat. Volunteer ryegrass stands are up out in our pastures and are off to a great early season start. Producers in our area, Central Texas, usually start slinging ryegrass mid September. Our local weather pattern is usually drier this time of year and those early flushes of ryegrass typically die out from a lack of moisture and then a steady south wind that drives the soil out. Pastures are in much better shape this time of year than they have been in several years. So all the livestock producers are pretty optimistic of what we've got out there in the pastures right now. Hay producers will get another cutting, and some are even cutting right now. Uh, There have been armyworms in central Texas, but the numbers have been light. I have heard of a few hay growers in in just uh, certain areas of the county, they have the option of either spraying for armyworms or cutting. And they chose to go ahead and cut. It was a little early, about a week early, but they saved that extra input cost they would have from spraying an insecticide. The wet weather pattern should keep armyworm numbers down for now, but if we come out of this wet weather with warm sunny days and not 60 to 70 degrees, then all of our our, uh, forage producers need to be on the lookout for armyworms. Go scout those fields early in the morning, and uh, that's when they're kind of active, Walk through there, drag your boot through there, and you can you can find them uh, emerging and down there on the bottom of the of the plant. Until next time, this has been Dr. Sam McLennan from Waco.
1: The wind blows hard here in Texas, so windbreaks can be beneficial in both rural and urban
4: settings. Tom Nicoletti reports. For today's program, we go to horticulturist John Begno in San Angelo, and today, John, we're talking about uh, the benefits of windbreaks, uh, whether they be uh, in the urban and suburban areas of Texas or certainly uh, in the rural areas on farms and ranches and windbreaks. So uh, what can those be made out of? What plants are we talking about? And then uh, what is it that we're trying to screen out?
6: Well, Tom, you know, back during the Dust Bowl days in rural areas, they became a real big item for a lot of reasons because of the blowing dust and the wind. And we saw a lot of them and we got a little bit out of favor. or They got a little bit out of favor. Not so many were planted by the next generation of farmers and ranchers and homeowners, but they are, again, because we're starting to get some events, some, some real blows, and sometimes it's a good idea. And Now, since it's planting season, it's a great time to plant or consider windbreaks. But when we think about windbreaks and plantings like this, these nuisance plantings are not always just for climate. They can also be for views and noise and serve a lot of other purposes.
4: Yes, and so what type of uh, plants should people be thinking about uh, in order to create windbreaks uh, around their uh, farm, ranch, uh, their homes?
6: Well, the mainstay is going to be evergreens. And, you know, we think of pines and junipers and arborvitas, and there's a whole host of these types of plants, and they should be adapted to your environment. And that means the type of soil that you're living in whether it's urban or rural, and what availability of water and the quality of water when you select these plants. But we call those the anchors, and those are the things we go to these evergreen-type plants. Now, they don't always have to be the tallest tree in the world. They can be a large shrub that gets 7, 8, or 10 feet. It depends upon how far you put them away from the protected area, your patio, your home, whatever, as to the height that is necessary. And all that information is available on the Texas Forest Service website about Texas windbreaks. But also consider things like views. If you're sitting on your back patio and all of a sudden you have a whole host of wind turbines now that you don't necessarily want to look at, you can design a planning and sculpt a planning with evergreen shrubs mainly because you want the views blocked year round And out in the flats or someplace, you may want wind block year-round. So start off with those. You could always add layers to them later. Driving down the interstate the other day, somebody living along that, you want to, of course, block or, or, or make the noise. Less prominent, but you also don't want to see all of the traffic and things like that, so you have a reason to plant these types of plants that serve you best in a landscape because they focus your eye away from those, say ugly views and into the gutter views. they contain noise or block noise, they can block wind, they can block dust, they can lessen the heat during the summer in Texas, and remember to layer them not just one single row. They don't have to be in a straight line. They can be sculpted, but you can make it a beautiful part of your landscape.
4: That is horticulturist John Begno joining us today from San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: This is a big week for agriculture in Washington as lawmakers make final spending decisions before breaking for campaigns, and the presidential candidates finally faced off in their first debate. House Agriculture Committee Chairman Colin Peterson says farmers need more help with the impact of disasters.
6: Here's what I hear from farmers. Number one, are we going to get another payment? Number two, how soon is it going to be? And number three, what, how much is it going to be and when is it, you know, what are they going to base this on? That's, that's what everybody wants to know. That's, I don't hear about anything else.
1: Peterson says he is concerned about a backlash as agriculture gets more and more disaster aid, but he says it is definitely needed, especially for hog producers. The American Farm Bureau Federation and other farm groups are calling on the White House to provide additional COVID-19 protection for farm workers. Michael Clements reports from Washington.
5: A recent letter from Farm and Food Groups call on the White House Task Force to take additional steps and devote new resources to help farmers protect their employees from coronavirus. Allison Crittenden, American Farm Bureau Federation Congressional Relations Director, says more than 160 farm groups signed the letter.
7: In this letter, all of these ag organizations request that the task force provide some assistance as farmers do their best to provide a safe working environment for farm workers. We know that COVID-19 has brought many challenges. So in this letter, we detail a few requests that the White House Coronavirus Task Force can assist farmers with so that they can do their best to protect their workforce.
5: The letter seeks funding from the Commodity Credit Corporation to assist farmers in protecting workers, along with additional measures.
7: These requests include amending housing regulations to allow for RVs or FEMA trailers to be used to facilitate social distancing or isolation housing. It also requests that farm workers and the ag supply chain be designated for PPE prioritization as well as an eventual vaccine. The letter also asks that testing resources be made available to the ag industry and that results be available timely.
5: Crittenden says additional resources are vital to protect the food supply chain.
7: Without those vital employees, we can't get the crop in the ground. We certainly can't pick it, and we can't get it to grocery stores. So it's important that we keep farm workers and farmers alike safe and healthy during this time, and it's important we have the resources that we need to do so.
5: Michael Clements, Washington.
8: Big Bend National Park is slowly reopening. I'm Jessica Domal, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today.
1: And it's easy for us to put on a few pounds, especially with all the good food we have here in Texas. But our pets can have the same problem. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that problem coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises.
5: You never know what to expect.
0: You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Well, if you love to hit the barbecue joints like I do, you can easily put on a few extra pounds. But that can also be the case for your cat or dog. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the
9: obesity problem in pets. One of the most common diseases we see in dogs and cats is obesity. And a lot of this is due to feeding high-calorie treats, human table food, and just too much dog or cat food. I know exercise is important, but exercise is not the answer to weight loss in most pets, as it is difficult to exercise a cat and difficult for most folks to find the time to exercise their dog. Therefore, weight loss is about calories consumed, but you have to know how many calories your dog or cat can eat per day, and table scraps and even some treats can have large numbers of calories. So everything your dog and cat eats should be analyzed and the number of calories added up. Then your veterinarian can help you determine the number of calories your dog or cat should be eating and adjust the diet correctly. The number of calories required depends on the lifestyle, age, and activity of your pet. Certainly a working dog or puppy needs more calories than an older obese dog. So there are formulas to determine the number of calories that your dog or cat should be eating. The basic calculation is the resting energy requirement, And this is the maximum amount of calories a resting inactive pet needs to lose weight. The resting energy requirement is determined by the pet's body weight in kilograms raised to the three-fourths power and multiplied by 70. So if you have a smartphone calculator, divide your pet's ideal weight in pounds by 2.2 to get kilograms, then press the X to the Y power button and type in 0.75. Then multiply that answer times 70. This is the maximum number of calories your pet can eat to reach their ideal weight. And remember to use their ideal weight and not their current weight. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: One of the most beautiful places in Texas is slowly reopening. Jessica Domel has more on the reopening of Big Bend National Park in today's Wildlife Report.
8: After being closed to the public for more than three months, Big Bend National Park is slowly reopening. The National Park was closed this summer after a positive case of the coronavirus in the park's resident community. On Tuesday, the National Park reopened all of its hiking trails with the exception of the Hot Springs Historic District area. The Chisos Basin Campground is available for camping by reservation only. Select Chisos backpacking sites and primitive roadside campsites are available with reservations. A permit is required and must be obtained online in advance. The Rio Grande is open for private and commercial river trips within Big Bend National Park. A backcountry permit is required for overnight trips. You can get those up to seven days in advance in person at Chisos Basin and Panther Junction Outdoor Ranger kiosks. There are a few things that are still closed at the National Park. They include the Chisos Basin Lodge and Restaurant, Rio Grande Village Campground, Cottonwood Campground, and Rio Grande Village RV Campground, the Hot Springs Historic District, All Park Visitor Centers, the Rio Grande Village Gas Station, and Boquias Crossing Port of Entry. You can make reservations for the campsites that are open at recreation.gov. COVID restrictions are in place over at Big Bend Ranch State Park, and due to recent rain, some roads may be in poor condition. The rooms of Fort Leeton are open, but the exhibits remain closed. Reservations are highly encouraged for camping and day use. You can make reservations for the state park on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Click on the tab that says Parks. Again, that is on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website, tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: We saw a lower close in the cattle market, but USDA released a grain report that caused the grain markets to take a massive jump to the upside. We'll take a closer look at that report, plus all of the livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
5: know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit oli.org.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas
1: agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, after two days of higher closes in cattle futures, we finally had a lower close on Wednesday. The market pulling back some at midweek, closing with both live and feeder cattle in lower territory. October live cattle down 35 cents, closing at 108.55. December down 77 at 112.35. February live cattle down 35 115 87 feeder cattle lower October down a $1. 57 14135 November feeders down a $1. 72 January down a 37 at 14030 Let's step over now to the cash markets. We'll start with Fed Cattle still at a standstill at midweek. No cash trade to report. The online Fed Cattle auction did sell a few head, 358 heads sold. Here's how some of the sales lined up. Texas had 545 total heads sold. Those cattle went at 106. Kansas sold 142 head at 104. Nebraska sold 214 head at 106. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up $1.48 at $2.18.64. Select up 94 cents, two Let's check out a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll go to El Campo Livestock in El Campo, Texas. They sold 959 head this week. Two to three weight steers brought $1.58 to $1.98 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.53 to $1.88 Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar forty-one to a dollar Five to six weight steers, a dollar twenty-seven to a dollar With six to seven hundred pounders bringing a dollar nineteen to a dollar thirty-eight a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-five to sixty cents a pound. Slaughter bulls, seventy to eighty cents four county auction in industry Texas sold 1137 head this week the trend was steady two to three weight steers a dollar30 to 215 a pound three to four weights a dollar 20 to one87 Four to five hundred pounders, $1.10 to $1.77. Five to six weight steers, $1.05 to $1.52, with six to seven weights bringing dollar $1 to $1.32 a pound. Slaughter cows, 25 to $0.55. Cents. Slaughter bulls, 58 to 87 Stocker cows brought 425 to 1250 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 700 to 1275 a pair. Now back over to the futures market, lean hogs closed the day higher, October hogs up 42 cents, 7280, December hogs up a dollar 12 at 6310, and milk futures closed higher, October class 3 milk up 24 cents, 1951 100 weight, November milk up 2 at 1860 100. The cotton market finally saw its first higher close of the week, Monday and Tuesday, with the market moved lower. Traders finally turned things around on Wednesday. We had a higher close with the December contract up 40 points, closing at 65.69. March cotton up 51 points, 66.54. The weather continues to be a factor in the cotton market. Of course, as we get into harvest, weather becomes more and more of a factor. The 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day forecast right now calling for below normal precipitation and cooler temperatures across the U.S. cotton belt. Now let's get to the big news in the markets. USDA releasing a big report on Wednesday morning, the September 1st Grain Stocks and Small Grains Summary. Those reports showing lower stocks of corn, soybeans, and wheat, much lower than the trade was expecting going into that report. As a result, we saw big double digit gains across the board, especially in corn and wheat. We'll start with Kansas City Wheat, December contract up 33 and three quarters, closing at 509 and three quarters. The new crop July 21 Kansas City wheat contract up 29 and a half closing at 530 and a quarter. Double-digit gains in corn also December corn up 14 and a quarter to close at 379 a bushel. Quick check of the energy markets, November natural gas down 4 cents 251, November crude oil up 69 cents 39.98 a barrel and we'll wrap it up with the financials The Dow Jones Industrial average up 265 points at 27717 the S&P 500 up 20 3355 the Nasdaq up 77 at 11163 well that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag today thanks so much for tuning in we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Carrie Martin for Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.
0: Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.